0: This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. I'm fairly accustomed to hearing the phrases folkways and foodways, ways and even music ways to describe the history, traditions, and myths associated with these subject areas in distinct locations or cultures. Only recently have I come to think of the history and traditions one brings to the garden or gardening as our garden ways. And the garden ways of other people are endlessly fascinating to me. As one lens by which we see the world, one lens by which others can learn something of importance about us and who we are. When my children were small, we had a fabulous storybook entitled, the Ugly Vegetables, written by author Grace Lin, whose parents were Taiwanese immigrants to the United States. In this children's book, she shares the universal concept of what makes us different and what brings us together through a young girl's uncomfortable recognition that the garden her Chinese mother was growing was very different from the gardens being grown by their neighbors. The girl keeps asking her mother, why is she growing such ugly? ugly, and unusual vegetables when everyone else is growing beautiful flowers and so-called normal vegetables. Her mother keeps saying, don't worry, just wait. Ultimately, her mother's long-season vegetables ripen and are harvested, and her mother makes the most delicious, aromatic soup, the scent of which wafts throughout the neighborhood and brings the neighbors running bearing gifts of flowers and normal vegetables. The whole neighborhood then shares an amazing meal of this soup. The experience of reading this book with my children was transformative for me and was hands down the first time I was consciously aware of the fact that we all have different garden ways and these are full of rich information. And as a side effect, I have always wanted to grow Chinese vegetables and make something that brings people together. When I saw an announcement about the early 2017 publication of writer-gardener Wendy Kiang Spray's first book, The Chinese Kitchen Garden, I knew I wanted to talk to her. Wendy is my guest today and is joining us from the studios of NPR in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: So this whole book, from the introduction to the Uh, seasonal discussion of different plants and different foods is really a story of your family and of your relationship to your family's story and to your family's culture of growing and gardening and the land. It's how gardening embodies and carries forward and honors all of these things. Describe for listeners your father and mother's early lives and the role of growing vegetables played for them and then as it was transmitted to you, Wendy.
1: Well— you know, my mother was the second of seven kids, and um, she grew up caring for the little ones and has always been a you know nurturer and probably learned how to cook very early on. Um, she and my father actually are both from neighboring villages in Shandong, China, and eventually made their way to Hong Kong. My mom got there first, um, and so that. To me, having been to Hong Kong several times, explains the very foodie culture of both of my parents. Um, my dad, the I would say the role of vegetables was probably stronger in his life because um, he really farmed for survival. He grew up during a tough time with the onset of communism finally reaching this rural village in China, and uh, he need they his family needed to grow everything that they ate. So. Um, the gardening gardening, and the farming was both a necessity and, you know, um, played an important role in their lives.
0: The early descriptions, especially of gardening and cultivating food that your father experienced as a boy was so profoundly moving. And it was clearly a very difficult time. And um, that seems to, you know, have been Something that came to be a bond for you and your father and your connection to gardening, the story of the um, the date tree was was really moving. Would you share that?
1: Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite stories because um, let's see, he was he was a boy, he lived in a house in his village with his mother and his younger brother, and um, planted a Chinese date tree, and you know I guess it was. The way I imagine it in my head is probably his first, you know, thing that he came to care for um, as a gardener. And um, this tree started to grow and bear fruit. And um, with the onset of communism, my family did pretty well. But the the village elders decided that their house was a little bit too big for a typical family. So um, they decided to move in. Um, And my father and his mother and his brother, they were forced to go to a different place to live in the village, much more undesirable. And uh, there was a day my father was like, you know, they can take my house, but they're not going to take my tree. So he decided to covertly chop that tree down. Um, and he was caught chopping the tree down. And when he, you know, he did make some some excuses about the tree branches are touching the house. He was just trying to protect the house. Uh, that did not go over very well. And um, even though he was a boy, they decided to, you know, publicly flog him for um, for committing this crime because, he, you know, it, it wasn't technically his tree. It was the, the tree of the community. So, you know, so, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I feel like that I love that story because it's a story of, you know, of protest
0: and strength. And the power of of plants to both give food and give beauty and give a sense of meaning. Yeah, the the power of resistance with plants, that really spoke to me as a story. And then the description of your father and grandmother and your uncle working tirelessly to grow subsistence food and to store it over the winter in um, the pits and the description of how they did that to protect the food as well as they could all the way through the winter. So it was very effective cold storage. But this resourcefulness and this tenacity in some people could have been the result that he never wanted to eat that food again and that he never wanted to grow food again. But that isn't what happened with your dad.
1: You know, it's funny that you say that because he there are certain foods that I think he probably has never had, had not had in decades. And then suddenly my parents will, you know, talk about a memory and then they'll be like, oh, I'm going to try to make that, that, you know, finely ground cornbread that we made back in the village decades ago. And then they'll go on this feverish search for the exact right grind of cornmeal to bake these these dishes. And I guess so much time has gone by that it it's it's not as, you know it's it, it's it's a reminiscent thing, a nostalgic thing instead of like a, a painful memory. But yeah, I mean, the role of of gardening has been huge for me. I mean, this, this the whole writing of this book has been the way that I have learned about my history. and and I know that sounds really weird, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, You know, my sister and I were born and raised right outside Washington, D.C. So um, and because my parents both eventually moved to Hong Kong and my mom's roots are sort of in Hong Kong, I've been there. My family's there. um, I know what that I know what Hong Kong looks like. I have no picture of this China that my parents were born in. Um, My vision of this China is like bits and pieces of Bruce Lee movies that I grew up with. And my grandmother, as a part of that history, also died a couple of years before I was born. And when we were little, we used to eavesdrop on conversations between my dad and my uncle. And, you know, they would, they would tell some funny stories, they would tell some sad stories, and every now and then they would talk about my grandmother. And from what I hear, she was really smart, really clever, really good with her hands, very tenacious, you know, raised those two boys on her own. And I always wanted to know more. Um, you know, so sometimes after those conversations, I would ask my mom, oh, you know, can you, should I ask my dad about this? Or, you know, I want to know more. And she'd be like, no, don't ask. Don't You know, don't ask because he'll get mad. And so I never, you know, I knew never to ask questions about life back then, knowing that it was a really hard life. And, you know, as an adult, I realized it's not that he's going to get mad. It's that he's going to get sad. It's just too painful to talk about those times. Um, so, you know, there was a time when... You know, fast forward decades later, I'm working in my own garden. Um, you know, my dad and I are, we're, you know, we're taking the hearts out of bamboo shoots or something, some very long, laborious springtime chore. And, you know, it's, to, you know, it's silent. And so I'm like, oh, so, you know, tell me about the vegetables that you used to grow in China. And suddenly he started telling me these stories, like the story about the, the cabbages grown uh, stored in those cold, um, in cold storage in those pits that they would dig. And for the first time, I had a picture of what this China was like. And every now and then he would even, you know say little things here and there about my grandmother. Um, and then that that's when I was like, okay, this is the key. If I'm trying to learn more about my grandmother and just get a picture of where my people are from, this is the vehicle, you know, to talk about how radishes were grown or, you know, how they save seeds.
0: It is really powerful, that idea that you can go through gardening and get to the heart of your dad and the heart of your family's history Um, or, you know, through food maybe to the heart of your mom and her history. That also brings up the description of you being in your garden. Describe for listeners your first foray into gardening because it wasn't, it didn't appear from this book to be a foray into Chinese gardening. It was a foray into American gardening that eventually led you back to your own family's heart.
1: Yeah. So I think my daughter was probably about, my older daughter was probably about seven or so. And she just suddenly one day was like, hey mom, let's have a garden. And I was like, I paused for a moment and I'm like, yeah, let's have a garden. And then the research started and, and the planning started. I mean, gardening is such an addictive activity. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great for people who, you know, who who want a healthy pastime, who who are looking for sort of a meditative pastime as well. But, you know, it also really appeals to my like sense of planning, organization, research, you know, all that stuff that new gardeners feverishly do, the, the bug bit, you know, mm-hmm. when I was Probably in my late 20s. But I would say it's always been a part of our lives. Yeah. Mean, my dad, the, the the moment he landed in America, he pretty much bought a house and, you know, dug into the ground for, to build his first garden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my sister and I really pretty much grew up in the garden, even though it was my dad's thing. Um You know, so it's funny because it was kind of survival for us in a way, in a very mild way as well. I remember there were times when um, we would—this is back in the day. Okay, so this is like, you know, early 80s. My sister and I are kids. And a summertime activity would be to pack your backpack with a couple of juice boxes and some snacks and be gone till, you know, till evening. Um, we'd be gone with our bikes and, you know, sometimes we'd get home because we'd run out of food and my mom wouldn't be home yet and we would be like thirsty and hungry. And I remember my sister just going into the backyard and picking a couple of cucumbers, you know, brushing the dirt off and just chomping away. So, uh, so in a way, it was sort of survival for us as summertime kids too.
0: Today, we're speaking with Wendy Kiang Spray author of the newly published The Chinese Kitchen Garden. This lovely book embodies her family's garden way stories from her parents' childhood in China to their immigration to the United States and finally to Wendy and her sisters growing up in the abundance of their father's Chinese kitchen garden and her parents' shared love of preparing and sharing their native Chinese foods. We'll be back after a break to hear more. Stay with us. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. Every family, every culture has their own garden ways traditions, tools, and techniques. I find them all fascinating. Today, we're joined by Wendy Kiang Spray, who is sharing with us her own family's Chinese and now Chinese-American garden ways stories. We're back after a break. Welcome. You started this garden with your daughter, and ultimately, it brings you into a much closer connection to to your dad. And to whereas you grew up in and around the garden, you didn't necessarily garden as children. And so in your late 20s, you have this sort of aha, and you think, wait, this has been around me all my life. I know more than I think I do. And my dad is a great resource. So talk about how you then became you know, much more aware of exactly what he was doing and how he was doing it.
1: The interesting thing is a lot of it is like, um, you know, I guess even as a 40-something-year-old, my dad is still my dad, so he'll tell me something. And, you know, as a kid, a 40-year-old kid, I'll still kind of poo-poo it, you know. <laughs> so sometimes he tells me, you know, tells me things I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um so the, it was interesting to, to do a lot of the actual research for this book mm-hmm. and to learn that, you know, for example, um, I learned that, you know, as far as pest control, um, Chinese gardeners are really, really observant. And they're really good with just, just watching the, the life cycles of pests in the garden um, and, then, and, and growing things around that, around those times and as i read that i noticed that yeah my dad does that too like there was one time we were walking around the garden and he was showing this and showing me this and showing me that and he was talking about the um, these these what, what what they call big onions they're like gigantic bunching onions they almost look like leeks and he's like, yeah, look at this. There's this little tiny nibble at the very top. And you can tell that a little, fle- I don't even know what kind of bug it is. A little flea beetle type bug has made its way inside and is living right about here. And then he pinches, like, he pinches the top few inches off. And sure enough, there is, like, a you know, a whole colony of these little bugs living in there. Um, so, you know, so those kinds of things that have been really interesting for me.
0: Yeah. And you are clearly both a gardener and a cook. Which came first? You know, I
1: think that that's that has to be simultaneous. At least in my family, it's simultaneous. Um, yeah, we're we're all into food, and we, especially these days. I mean, it's it's very clear that you know um, when each season we look forward to a different type of food. Um, you know, my, my dad makes my dad makes dumplings year round, and I will say they are quite amazing. Anyone who's had them, they are not playing around when they say they're the best dumplings they've ever had. And it, it, it all the variety he makes depends on the season. So we love you know looking in the garden to see what delicious thing we can eat. So like in the spring, we might have beef and watercress dumplings when the watercress is amazing in the stream next to his pond. You know, summertime might be, um, you know, a Malabar spinach and gourd shrimp dumpling or something. Fall might be Napa cabbage and, or some sort of vegetarian version. I mean, it's year round and we look forward to, to eating certain foods based on what's growing
0: in the garden. Mm. So what, what made you decide to write a book? And then let's talk about the structure of the book. But first, what was the seed planted that said to you, I'm going to write this book?
1: Um, you know, when I started gardening, you know, I guess in my late twenties, um, you know, there's so much to share about your garden and just things that you discover. And, um, and there's so many things you want to learn too. And, and as a writer, I think I've, I think writers are, have always been compelled to write, whether it's angsty poetry that I wrote when I was in middle school, you know, or this book. Um, so I think when I first started gardening, I had, I had pretty much no friends who gardened. So one day I started a blog, which was a fantastic outlet for me because I could take pictures, I could share um, what was going on, I could, you know, interact with people. So and, and, and I actually, it, you know, the blogging community is so fantastic. I've, I've interacted with people pretty, pretty much from every continent. Um, And then, you know, when I started to get into the Asian vegetables, being able to share that information was really fun. I mean, to, you know, to to share things with people that don't know and also to share things with people who are like, oh, I remember growing that in my country, you know, however many years ago. Um, And then I think from there it was just natural to want to put it all together in a book.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you've structured the book in such a lovely way. De- describe the elements you include, sort of, throughout the whole book, but then in each profile. It's set into
1: chapters by season. So, um, and actually, it has a lot of really great um, information for beginning gardeners too. So I begin each chapter by talking about what's going on, and what chores I'm doing, and um, and you know just sort of. You know information about about gardening in general. So if you had no experience, you could pick it up and really learn a lot about gardening.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. The, your, your coverage of soil and compost and siting, very comprehensive.
1: And that was really fun to write about, too, because though I wanted to share these stories about the Chinese vegetables, I also just love gardening and love sharing basic information about, about that with the world, too. So... Um, So there's, you know, gardening information and um, each vegetable um, starts with, you know, some story. And I feel like it's just was just such a fun thing to do. It it was no work at all to be able to take a vegetable and introduce it by talking about, um, you know, my favorite restaurants that have pickled daikon radish, for example, or um, some interesting stories about the bitter melon, for example. Um, and then I go into how to grow the vegetable um, and, you know, tips and tricks, and also how to cook the vegetable, um, how to prepare it. And I think that's probably. Um, the the cooking the cooking and preparing part I've I've got a I've gotten a lot of really great feedback about um, feedback on there are people who are like oh I go to the Asian supermarket and everything looks so interesting but I have no idea what to do with it so I feel like the book you know it it could almost be used as a handbook to help you figure out how to prepare these things I did also include about eighteen recipes. And that was super special for me. Um, most of them are my mom's recipes. so they're they're all they're all traditional. they're all really good and that gave me an opportunity to you know connect with my mom and, and actually um, record all of these recipes. So I feel really good about having them recorded just for me and my family. Yeah. And I do, you know, even though the, the recipes are like traditional recipes, I do give a lot of advice about how you could use these vegetables in your own kitchens with your own recipes as well.
0: And I love, so for each vegetable included in the book, there is both the Mandarin name of it and the Cantonese name of it, including how to write it in traditional characters. And then the nutritional and medicinal aspects of the vegetable uh, I thought were really great additions to the description of each one, even ones that I am familiar with like the watercress it made for very interesting reading. The growing of them which you do through the seasons um, in the in the course of the book you you do in what is called or your father does in what is called this Chinese intensive bed way would you describe the Chinese intensive bed and um, give a sense of of what that what that is and what that technique includes.
1: Um, you know, I would probably best describe it as as similar to to like a double dug in ground bed. So his his, um, his his garden beds are in ground. They sort of are are with raised lips, and um, the the actual planting bed is um, it started by by being double dug, so he'll dig dig out as you know a sh- up to the depth of a shovel, um, move that soil into the next bed, and then dig down another layer, so th- the soil is really pretty deep and loose. Um, and you know, and he, you know, his his garden really kind of makes me jealous for many reasons. It's neat. It's not covered in, you know, bags of mulch like my garden might look like. Um, It's really large. It's in full sun. There's a tall fence around it. It's edged with daylilies, which we actually eat. We actually eat the daylily buds. When he needs to supplement, his garden, you know, when there's a lack of rain, he actually pumps water from the pond. So I'm thinking that must be just, you know, oozing in fertilizers, natural fertilizers. Yeah.
0: There are so many stories that move me in your book, Wendy, Um, you know, your sister saying to you, you are finally sharing our family story uh, was it made me want to cry and think about think about my own sisters and my own parents and the way, you know, gardening and food and all those things come together the range of vegetables and types of produce and how to grow them throughout the book are really comprehensive and enticing. My 15-year-old daughter and I went through the book dog-earing every recipe we wanted to try and every one of the vegetables we wanted to to try to grow to see if we, especially the ones that we weren't familiar with, like mm-hmm. the long beans or the bitter melon. I think those were two of our, our favorite ones to think about trying. In the end, you have a beautiful pullout, and it kind of pulls together this idea of culture and family and garden ways and why it's meaningful to us. It's um, called Good Luck in the New Year. Would you please read a section of that for us?
1: Sure. Um, this is a section that where I explain um, why sometimes when you watch a Chinese lion dance at the new year the lion swallows this head of of cabbage and spits it out. So this is from that section. My favorite tradition is the Chinese lion dance, a beautiful and colorful martial art form with bright ornate costumes and drumming so intense you can feel it in your heart. The performance culminates with someone feeding the lion a real head of cabbage, which is choy in Cantonese, which is also a homophone for fortune. A long dramatic pause follows, punctuated by a soft clattering of the gongs during which the lion is chewing. Then the cymbals clash loudly and the drums resume beating as the lion spits out the shredded cabbage, showering fortune on the people.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today, Wendy. I really appreciate it. Your book is beautiful and a wonderful sharing of garden ways and food and family.
1: Thank you, Jennifer.
0: Wendy Kiang Spray is a gardener, cook, writer, daughter, sister, and mother making her home and garden in the Washington, D.C. area. She joined us today from the studios of NPR, D.C. Wendy's first book, The Chinese Kitchen Garden, is published by Timber Press. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Thank you for listening. For this week's audio archive, or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit mynspr.org. For more information, including many photos, please visit jewelgarden.com. For daily photos and more, follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and jewelgarden.com. The program is made possible in part by the Stanley Smith Horticultural Trust. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.